the journey we are on is either one, heaven, meaning we're on our way to heaven, or we're not on our way to heaven. And the alternative to heaven is a place called hell, eternal separation from God. So those are the journey choices that we have here on this life. We've been talking about it all month long. Now, when in this life, we can choose to travel with certain people. Now, all of us take trips with other folks. I've been on a lot of trips with a lot of different people. Now, my most favorite person to travel with is, of course, my wife. I love going on trips with my wife. Short trips, long trips. And then there are other folks that I, I pray a little more when I'm on trips with them. And uh, most of you would probably surmise that Bobby Reed is the one that you pray a lot when you ride with Bobby. But it's not a bad trip. We all need to pray a little more. We all need to, with fists clenched, hang on for dear life. But for all the years that Bobby Reed's been driving, he's been getting there safe. Somehow. I don't know. It's been the aim. Yeah, amen for that. So when we're on a trip with somebody, we've got to be on the trip with the right people. Because if we're riding with someone who's not the right person, it, it could spell disaster. It could be pretty bad for us. Now, as Christians, we need to travel with the right people because they can help us grow in our faith. They can help us become the person God wants us to become. And we will experience God's best when we're traveling with the right people. And the flip side, of course, is just the opposite. We'll be robbed of what God wants to give us and bless us with. We may drift or lead ourselves away from Christ, and those are not things that we want to do. The first sermon that I preached in this series of Excess Baggage as we're on this trip of life, on our way to eternity, was which, where are you going? Are you going to heaven or are you not going to heaven? And that was the very first question we talked about. Settle that issue because that issue will determine so much of your life on this side of heaven as well as after death. And then this past week, we talked about the roadmap. When you're going on a trip, if you're going to avoid the excess baggage of frustration and anxiety and tension and all of the headaches that can come with the trip, you need to know where you're going and how to get there. And last week, we talked about how the Bible gives us the roadmap to get to where we want to go. Eventually, that's heaven. Today, we're going to build on that and talk about how to remove the excess baggage that we can place into our trip, our journey, by traveling with the wrong people. Now, in the book of Proverbs, and I just want to share this verse of Scripture with you, it's Proverbs 12, 26. The writer says this, Righteous, the righteous, those of us who are on their way to heaven, should choose his friends or her friends carefully. Because, he says, the wicked will lead us astray. So if we choose the wrong friends as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, and your friends are on this journey with you, they could actually lead you astray. They could lead you away from the life that God wants to give and bless you with. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 10.10 that the thief has come to give you life. I'm sorry, the thief didn't come to do that. <laughs> Michelle's like, no, no, no. 
The thief has come to rob, kill, and destroy, but the Lord came to give us life and give it to us abundantly. So, sorry about that little miscue. Mental, tried to, nothing. You get it, I hope. So today I want you to think about this verse of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, this, this whole chapter is about the resurrection. And we sang some songs today about the resurrection. And in this particular chapter, we learn in the very beginning parts of the chapter that basically in the first few verses, the first eight verses, we hear about the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And there are people today that believe Jesus isn't the only way. Those are the friends you don't need to carry on the journey of faith with you. If they don't believe that Jesus is the only way, don't travel with them. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. His blood was shed. He was buried in a tomb, and he was raised the third day. And then he was seen by the apostles and others, and then Paul, last but not least. And so we see in the beginning verses of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, he was alive, he gave his life, he was buried, he was raised, he walks, he lives today, and someday he's coming again. And then as the chapter begins to unfold, Chapter 15 talks about how people came into the Corinthian church and began saying to the church, Jesus did not raise from the dead. His body was not bodily resurrected. It was just a spirit. Or some said it wasn't even a spirit. And there were people in the church that said, well, that's got to be true. And see, here's where you and I need to be very careful. This is what this, this, this chapter is so important to our faith. Beginning in about verse 12, this is what the scripture says. If we believe that Jesus has not been raised from the dead, that our faith is worthless. Worthless. He also writes and reminds us, if the resurrection never happened, then we are still in sin. We're still bound to the Old Testament law because if Jesus just died and was just buried and was not raised, then our faith is meaningless, it's worthless, we're still in our sin. And then he said, if we only have hope in this life, we are to be pitied more than anyone else in the world. You see, the resurrection was crucial, critical, because in the resurrection, Jesus defeated death. He defeated the grave. And because he defeated death and the grave, we have hope, confidence, the assurance that when we die in this journey of life, when we awaken our eyes on the other side, we will be in heaven with him. But if he never was raised, then what are we doing? Paul actually wrote and pretty much said something to me that is kind of comical. Now, let me read our main text, uh, beginning in, uh, in verse number 32. 
He says, I fought wild animals, or if I fought wild animals in Ephesus, with only human hope, what good did that do me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Come to your, or he says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses and stop sinning. For some people are ignorant about God. And then he likes, I mean, I kind of like what he said here at the end of this. I say this to your shame. Paul didn't pull any punches here. Now, verse number 32 is kind of a, it's a little sarcastic. If you don't know me, then know this about me. I'm a little sarcastic as well. And there are people that get it, and there are people that don't get it. And honestly, when they don't get it, I love it more because I'm like, you're just stupid. I don't say it out loud, but I sure do think it. Paul said to these folks, if I'm, and he did fight wild animals. He said, if I fought wild animals in Ephesus, and I only did it with human hope, meaning hope in this world, hope in this life, hope for God's blessings here without any thought that I would live forever with God in heaven, he said, what good did that do me? That's very sarcastic. So this was what he said. If we only have hope in this life, then we might as well eat and drink for tomorrow. We're going to die. Go enjoy life. Why follow Jesus? Why suffer for Christ? Why read Scripture? Why pray? Why go to church? Why do all of those things? If you don't believe in the resurrection, Paul said, you're just wasting your time. You see, the resurrection is key. It is essential. It is necessary for eternity. And so then he said in verse number 33, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be led astray. You see, what had happened in the Corinthian church, people came in to the church and began to teach people there is no resurrection. It's a hoax. It's fake. It's not real. Peter lied to you. Paul has deceived you. And they went on and on and on. And people began believing the false teachers and now Paul writes back to them and said, you have been deceived by these people. And so here's what I want us to understand. He said that bad company corrupts good character, good morals. And the same is still true today. The people you travel with on the journey of your faith, it matters. If you listen to false teachers... If you listen to things or read things that are contrary to Scripture, it matters. Because if you're not grounded and your faith and your hope is only in this life, you're being robbed. You've been stolen from. It's not going to be as great as it could be. Paul even writes, or wrote to them, come to your senses. Get a grip on yourself. I mean, snap out of it. Come to your senses. And then he added, stop sinning. Stop sinning. You need 
to come back to the basics. And he says, this is shameful. Now, I want you to think about something. These verses are very profound. When we are on this journey, or as we are on this journey of faith, we need to choose the people we travel with very carefully, especially in our culture today. Because there are a lot of people with a lot of strange ideas about faith, about what it means to, first, how do you even get to heaven, to how do you live the Christian life, to discipling. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. I want you to know firmly, without a shadow of doubt, Jesus himself said this, no one, he said, no one can come to the Father except through me. That's in John chapter number 14. Jesus said it. I didn't make it up. John didn't make it up. He simply wrote and recorded the words of Jesus. And I don't believe Jesus said that one time. I believe Jesus said that over and over and over and over and over. And John said, listen, if you want to go to heaven, where we started this whole series of excess baggage, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to get rid of all of that junk, and you've got to believe that Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. It doesn't matter what pop culture says. It doesn't matter what some guru dude says on the internet. It doesn't matter what somebody says on TikTok or Facebook or Twitter. It doesn't matter what some news personality says. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Jesus said, I am the only way to get into heaven. There is no other way. We need to settle that issue or it is to your shame someday when you stand before God outside those pearly gates and he asks you, why should I let you in? And if you say, well, the guy on TikTok said, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Go. If you say, well, my best friend told me if I was a good person, then I'll get to heaven. He will say, I never knew you. Depart. If you say, I went to church and I, I worshiped and I sang the songs and I attended youth group or attended Sunday school, but I never received Christ, then the Lord will say, I never knew you. Depart. Jesus said, I'm the only way. I am the one who paid the price. I am the one who gave my life. I am the one who was buried. I was the one who was raised from the dead. I defeated death. I am God in the flesh and in the spirit. If you didn't receive me as your Lord and Savior, you're not getting in. You're the, I'm the only way. So we need to understand that he's the only way. We begin our journey and continue our journey of faith in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And when we begin that journey, it is a journey. We become a newborn child of God. Jesus said it this way to Nicodemus. He said, you are born again. You, 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 you are literally born again. Your spirit is born and God breathes into you and he begins to change you from within to become the person he wants you to become. And when we become a Christian, it's very important who we travel with. Because if we travel with the right people, we will grow, we will learn more, we will become the person God truly, and we will experience life as God planned us 
to and we'll enjoy it. It will be abundant. It will be a blessing. It will be amazing. But if we say, eh, I'm saved and I'm going to go do what I want to do, you will rob yourself of God's best. You will be miserable and unhappy. You will be led astray. So I want us to think for just a moment about the baggage of traveling with the wrong people. Because the wrong people will pull us from God. In this passage that I just read, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the, the first baggage that we have to beware of is listening to false teaching. Folks, there are a lot of false teachers out there today. A lot. Just because somebody says, I'm a Christian, or somebody says, I'm a pastor, or somebody says, I am a teacher, and I have the Bible as my guidebook, doesn't mean they're teaching the truth. We have to be very careful who we listen to. That's why I say to you, if I say something like earlier, Michelle's look, I realized then, oh, I made a boo-boo. I kind of got my words twisted up. I need you to keep me accountable sometimes. I still remember one of the first sermons I ever preached at New Georgia Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. I just went through the whole thing, and so many of those little ladies, as they, and I don't know why it was the little old ladies and not the little old men, but those little ladies came out and said, Preacher, Moses didn't build the ark. And I said, I know. Noah did. That's not what you said. And I said, I'm pretty sure I said, and they said, no, you did it not once, but three times. Three times you said Moses built the ark. I just want you to know it was Noah. Another one came, had not talked to the other lady and said the exact same thing. And the third one came and said, the, and at that point I was went, okay, I know. Moses did not build the ark. And they said, yeah, you were pretty bad. Now, that was just an honest, you know, mistake. But we have to be careful. Here's the point. We have to be careful who we listen to, who we read, because not everyone believes and interprets Scripture correctly. There are people that twist and manipulate and add to, take away from Scripture. We have to be very careful who we listen to, or we will be robbed of God's best and then add to our spiritual life, our journey of life, excess baggage we do not need to carry. The second way we can travel with the wrong people is they will tempt us to, to focus on anything but Jesus. And this is a very subtle trick the devil uses. Remember the devil, he's still in the business of those of us who are on our way to heaven to lead us away from the truth, to distract us from the truth, to distract us from the mission of being the church, of growing in our faith, of sharing our faith. Hebrews chapter 12, the first part of chapter 2 says, keep your eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. The devil would love to put people into your life and my life who would take our eyes, our focus 
off of Jesus. The devil doesn't want on-fire Christians. The devil doesn't want people who say, Jesus is the only way. The devil wants us to become mediocre, average, casual, relaxed, chilled, laid back, just kind of there. The devil doesn't want us to share the gospel. The devil doesn't want us to share what it means to become and be a follower of Jesus. He just wants you to take a chill pill. He wants to distract you. He wants us to take our eyes off of the one who saved us, who has called us, who has gifted us. He continues in Hebrews 12 in the third verse, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. It's not easy to be a follower of Jesus, even though the blessings are great. The devil wants you to become weary and tired. Have you ever had this thought on a Sunday morning? Oh, I'm just tired. It's been such a long week. I mean, the preacher's got to be there, but I mean, we pay him to be there. But I don't have to be there. I can just kind of skip it. it. It won't really matter. I could actually listen to the sermon online. He posted on YouTube and Facebook. I don't probably think I'll listen to it. I checked the numbers, by the way. I know that very few of them are actually looked at. And I think if only you look a minute or two, it says you viewed it, whoever you happen to be. And so I, you know, what I'm saying is the devil says, take your eyes off of the prize. Take your eyes off of Jesus. It's okay because it's hard to be a Christian. Hard. Just like the old McDonald's ad, you deserve a break today. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to read the scripture. Why would you want to read? Y'all, can y'all tell the sarcasm? It's there. I'm dripping with it. You don't have to read the Bible because you know a lot of Bible already. Why would you want to read the Bible anymore? You know enough. You're good. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Just take a chill, relax, and just enjoy the day. Why would you want to pray more? I mean, you're changed. God is walking with you. Why do you need to talk to God about that? Just let it go. Have fun. Relax. This is what the devil whispers in your ear. But guess what the devil does? He uses people in your life to whisper those things to you and me. And we hear this and we go, you're right. I do deserve a break today. You're right. I can just take it easy. You're right. Life is hard. You're right. If God really loved me, then my life would not be as it is. If God really cared for me, then he would have answered that prayer. And we take our eyes off of Jesus. And we let those people add baggage into our life. We have to focus on Jesus. If we're not careful, if we travel with the wrong people, we can also drift from Jesus. You see, here's the progression. We, we first question Scripture, 
And then we begin to take our eyes off of Jesus when we begin to distrust Scripture. And then we begin to drift further and further away from Christ. And when that happens, we are in serious danger at that point. Carrying a lot of extra baggage we should have never put onto our backs. This is what Jesus gave us these words, uh, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Familiar verses for many of us. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, that's the good crowd, that we should encourage each other, that we should motivate each other to spur each other to keep growing. Those are the people we need in our life. You know, when, when you're doing something. We, we need to be encouraged to get better. I, I do listen to the sermons. Not, not the, the, the whole thing. I can't. It's too painful for me. I, I did do a golf thing recently. I had not golfed in a long, 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 like over 20 years. I mean, I, I played Wii Golf. Wii Golf is easy. You just hold that little controller and you just swing that thing and the you know and it's 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 easy. You get a real club in your hands, it's not so easy. People make it look easy, don't they? For those of you who've watched golf, they hit the ball and it just goes straight and I can do that. I had somebody tell me what I was doing wrong recently. And I thought, I know that, but I don't know how to fix it. And they gave me some pointers, and it got better. Not great, just got better. Football players, baseball players, basketball players, students, we all need someone to walk with us, to encourage us, and to gently correct us and stir us onto a path that will help us to become even better. And the same is true in our Christian walk. We're all growing, and we, we need somebody to walk alongside us to say, if you did this, it would change. And so he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And then he added in this Hebrews 10 passage, not giving up meeting together. See, when we isolate ourselves from the people we should be traveling with on the journey of faith. When we say, I don't need to go to small group, when we say, I don't need to go to Sunday school, when we say, I don't need to come to choir practice, when I don't need to come to worship, I've got all of this on my own. I don't need to come to church. I can listen to it online. When we begin to say this and believe that, then we're giving up. We're listening to people that are causing us to drift. Think about it for a moment. Before, before COVID struck this country and this world, we had in this room about 75-ish people every week. And when COVID came, when COVID came and we shut down, along with every other church, the devil used it. 
The devil used it to cause people to drift from God. And I remember so many people, me including being one of them, we should have church then at Home Depot. Because on a Sunday morning, Home Depot was often packed with people doing stuff for their house. And I remember when we said, it's time to start meeting again. Because Angie knows, and Becky knows, and Greg knows, and Ricky knows that when we were recording our services on a Thursday night, how much I fussed and said, I hate this. This is not church. Looking at no people sitting here. And I remember when we said, we are going to start meeting in person again. And I remember all of that. And I want you to understand something. When we shut down, and it's not just us, but so many Christian folks, let that rob us. Rob us. Not just us, but Christians all over this world. And, and, and so we, we, we need each other to encourage each other, and we still need that today. The world's a tough place. It's a difficult place. And we need that encouragement we get from each other on a weekly basis. Sunday school, worship, choir, everything we do, it is necessary for us to encourage each other. Otherwise, we will drift. While coming into church this morning, I had it on a Christian radio station. I turned it to another Christian radio station, and then I turned it over to bluegrass. I looked at Rhonda and said, I'm going to listen to some bluegrass. You know what the last song I heard was as we're pulling up in the parking lot? It was about drifting from Jesus, drifting from the shore. It's easy to drift because when you drift, you don't know that you're getting further and further and further away from the one who saved you in the first place. And you need that anchor. You need, to, you need the anchor of faith. You need Jesus. You need followers of Christ who will walk with you and spur you to do what's right. And so the writer of Hebrews, as God inspired, said, Do not give up on the meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other and do it even more as we draw closer to the end of time. We need each other. Otherwise, we heap upon ourselves more baggage. The last thing I want to share, and I'll be quick with it, was the wrong people will disappoint you and they will discourage you. You know, we got to have the right people. Otherwise, if we listen to some people, they're discouragers and they disappoint us. People will disappoint and they will discourage you. This is how Paul said it in 2 Timothy. He is near the end of his life now. He is literally at the end of his life. He is about to give his life as a martyr for Christ. And, and this is what he says to young Timothy. He says, Timothy, this is in 2 Timothy 4, verses 9, and I'm not going to read everything but through 18. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. Paul was saying, I need you quickly, Timothy. The end is near. See, Timothy spoke and whispered into Paul's ear as Paul whispered and spoke into Timothy's life. 
They were good for each other. They helped each other grow in their faith journey. And Paul said, I need you to come quickly. Timothy was not a disappointment to Paul. He was not a discourager for Paul. But Then in verse 10 of this chapter, he said, For Demas, he loved this world, and he deserted me. Demas deserted Paul. There will be people in your life, as there have been people in my life and will be, who will desert you. They'll walk away from you. They'll say, I'm done. I'm done. And then he says, only Luke is with me. And then he added, get Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you because Mark is helpful to me in ministry. At one time, Paul did say to Mark, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I don't want you with me. Bye-bye. You abandoned us. You're not going with us no more. Bye-bye. But Mark later, I'm sorry, that goes a long way back, and I'll explain it later. Bye-bye. But Mark finally proved himself to Paul that he was worthy. And now Paul's saying, yeah, bring Mark with you, Timothy. He is helpful to me. And then he says, Verse 14, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. We don't really know who this guy is other than he's Alexander the metal worker, but he says the Lord will repay him. But see, there are people in your life, if you let them in, Christian people, church people, sometimes they will hurt you and disappoint you, and they will discourage you. And so I want you to know that we need to be very careful whom we or who we choose to invite into our life. And, And because people will help you or not. Don't pile up the baggage. Jesus said this in closing. He said, take my yoke upon yourself. You Take my yoke. I'll bear the burden. And that's what we need to do. Otherwise, we're carrying a load we'll never be able to bear. Carry the burden, not let Jesus carry the burden. Give it to him. Travel with the right people. Let's pray together.